Good morning again, everybody. Dave Nemo with you. And Tim Ashoff, good morning to you. Good morning. Great to be on again. Hey, it's great to have you on. I had kind of an extended introduction there because I wanted to kind of get some of that out of the way so we could really jump right into uh, some of those uh, very important topics. But one thing that I I just thought of, well, actually, I was reminded of it because of the... uh, the message from SAP Brothers in Nebraska City, they've been open now for a few weeks. So the flooding is gone there. But overall, that's that's your neck of the woods. How how are things? We don't hear much about the flooding anymore, but are things getting back to overall normal? Well, for the most part, obviously, the water's gone, and the main thoroughfares are open finally, uh, as was mentioned on that uh, spot. The uh, Highway 2 that cuts across from 80 over to 29 is two lanes uh, of that are open. In fact, Mm -hmm. I just was through there last week as I was traveling down to visit some customers in Missouri. So there is some some slower traffic through there, but it is open, so you don't have to uh, take an extended route around. But, you know, what what you still see when you're on these routes is while the water is down, and there's still quite a bit of water right in that area, but it's down a lot, it just shows the devastation then that remains. And there is still a lot of cleanup, a lot of recovery uh, to be done. And I think that's what we forget always if we're not directly impacted as well. You hear the water's gone down, but it takes months to recover, if not years. Yes, it does. And I can attest to that having been flooded in the 2010 flood in Nashville, the 500-year flood, by the way. Um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's devastating and it's nasty. <laughs> it really is. And then New Orleans, today is the anniversary of Katrina. And uh, wow, you know, enough said there, right? That's right. Yeah, but it's well, good to talk- hear people like Sap Brothers are open now and, and recovering. Yeah, so absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so we have uh, obviously the recent announcement of the uh, proposed changes to the hours of service rules. FMCSA had a pretty big presence there at um, GATS last week, and um, we're going to ask you to kind of discuss the uh, the notice of proposed rulemaking. I guess the, the and, and you can go anywhere you want to on this opening generalized question, Tim, but what is your general reaction to the proposed hours of service rules? Well, my reaction is is that I think the FMC did a great job in looking for ways that we, they can provide some flexibility that are still reasonable, you know, in their mission of ensuring um, that that uh, the the regulations provide a um, a rubric that really is still focused on safety. So, I think they did a, a good balance on that. I, I was fortunate to be able to spend a little bit of time with uh, Administrator Martinez at the at the show last week, and one of the things that he reminded me, and I know in the listening session was too is that you know they really want input um, they really do want to work with all involved parties so you know from carriers to drivers to, to safety advocacy groups uh, and that at the end of the day uh, they still need to make decisions based on facts and somewhat based on science because that's as an agency uh, that's their that's their charge now and and certainly if the rule is ever contested they have to have some some, some supporting facts so uh, these were changes they they made that they felt were um, validated by the facts that they can find, the studies they can find, the research that's out there. So I think they found a good balance on, on what they have in research and then what the input has been from, from drivers on where they would like to see some flexibility. One of the things that we hear a lot, and I want, because I know you've talked to a lot of folks since, well, since the advance notice came out, obviously. Um, and, and from what I hear from most folks um, in the industry, 
uh, from management and drivers, owner operators, is that yeah, okay, this ain't the 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 the, the whole pie. But it is a step in the right direction, and it's the, the, these changes do move in the right direction. Maybe not as far as I want them to move, but at least we're not going backwards. What 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 do your um, um, fellow uh, guys, uh, COOs, presidents of companies? What 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 what's the general consensus um, with those folks? Well, I, I think in some ways we all have our own feelings or, or own hot spots where we think the rules should change this way and the next person may think they should change this way. But I think we feel overall, to, to your point, yes, it is a step in a good direction. I think one thing you have to know is that you know all of the, the fellow COOs out there, fellow presidents, we all are concerned about safety first. And so we do know that there is a line there between you know a driver um, having some flexibility but also but not being put in a spot uh, where they may be able to be able to do something legally but not safely and so uh, I think balancing that is something we always uh, have in mind as well so well yes we, we want flexibility for our drivers we also want to ensure long term we have the safest um, you know trucking driving fleet out there as well one of the things, too, that we hear a lot, uh, Tim, and I want to see if, if you are hearing the same thing from your folks or, or others, is um, that when you talk about the hours of service notice of proposed rulemaking, uh, some folks will say right off the bat, well, it doesn't address detention time, and that's where the real problem is. Um, can the uh, can the FMCSA address detention time? Obviously, it is part and parcel, but that's that's kind of a different ballpark. Um, are you hearing a lot of folks that are kind? Of, and boy, I hate using this word because it's really been overused recently. But are we conflating detention time and hours of service and kind of missing the point sometimes? You know, I, I think so. You know, first of all, just out of its regulatory authority, I think the FMCSA, in order to be able to regulate that, has to show a, a, a direct safety impact because I don't think they can, I don't think they have the authority to regulate commerce, so to speak. Um, mm -hmm. It is, is more on the, on the driver safety side. You know, um, I do think that the shippers and receivers, particularly through, you know, the, the trying times they had last year with the, with the market uh, boom out there and demand being so strong, and, and they have made a lot of progress as an industry. Uh, there still are certainly people that can make improvement, but as an industry, um, have really improved. I mean, there's a lot of them trying to go to more drop and hook. In fact, you know, our customers and working with them, we ended up doing 20,000 more drop and hook loads than the year before. They understand the importance of the driver time, they understand, there's understanding more, really what that costs them. Because if you think about it, if a driver's waiting at a dock, that means the driver's wheels aren't turning, that's taking capacity out of the market. Uh, and so I think the, uh, my preference would be is, you know, let the economic forces continue to play there and the, the best shippers, the best receivers will win and will get best practices out of that versus some regulatory structure that may not be best for everyone, just like we're talking about hours of service here. You know, there's some some situations that they apply well, others they don't. And if you start to regulate the shippers and receivers, you could come, you could run into the same thing. You know, uh, just just kind of go down that lane here just for a moment. Back in two thousand, in fact, in January of 2011, the um, GAO, the Government Accountability Office released their study and report on detention time 
Uh, they talked to, I think it was like 350 truck drivers. They talked to everybody that uh, is part and parcel of uh, shipping and receiving. And they came up with some conclusions that I thought were really spot on. And what I mean by that is that if the government was going to take over and do something, all they have to do is go back to that 2011 report. It's all there and it's pretty much all good. The question is, do you really want that to happen? Right. And, you know, we watch that so closely. There is a lot of data out there, you know, with certainly with having um, ELDs, GPS and otherwise in the truck. So we do track to the minute how much time our drivers are spending at a shipper or receiver. And, you know, for the most part um, on on our drive van side, um, you know, on, on drop and hook situations in particular, they're there. Uh, you know, 45 minutes or less, and even on live loads, we're we're well under two hours um, for our average. And so, again, for the most part, I think you find good customers, you find good freight. They're they're doing what you what they need to do. Then it's how do you deal with the outliers? And so the question is, is do you want a regulation to deal with all those outliers? Um, because I can tell you, it's a it's a small fraction of arc shippers and receivers that are beyond that two hour time frame. Yeah, yeah. Nothing like tender rejection to get something straightened out, right? That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I kind of want to double back, though, because you mentioned both flexibility and safety in terms of discussing the uh, proposed hours of service uh, changes, Tim. Um, I read through uh, a couple of times here. I, I did it yesterday. I read through the um, the notice from Advocates for Highway and auto safety, uh, and they have uh, they have uh, uh, some chips in this in this game for sure. Uh, they are against the changes. They think it's going to cause drivers to be more fatigued. They think it's going to cause uh, more uh, late, as they call it, late shift driving. So if someone wants to get out of traffic for a while and relax or do something else. They don't have to sit there idling in, in traffic when they could be, you know, hanging out at a truck stop or a rest area, uh, relaxing, doing whatever, exercising. And, 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 and that driving later in the day is going to uh, automatically equate to more accidents. Um, do you uh, – are, are, are we – are we are we robbing Peter to pay Paul in some areas here in term and and I know you can't have both pockets full that that's impossible so are we is flexibility going to affect safety or do we just have to find out you know, I, I think as with anything, you have to find out. But I, I don't know that I agree with the, the, the proposition that they're making. I mean, as we view our typical driver's days, you know, they're they're starting 7 and 8 a.m. in the morning. And so if you think about it, you get, you know, 14 hours after that um, is, you know, 9 o'clock at night. But for the most part, a lot of those drivers are shut down by, you know, 5, 6 o'clock at night. Um, they're typically not using all of their 14 hours. Um, um, and and not even using all of their 11 hours on, on drive time just because of you know delivery schedules and, and other things. Yeah, we we try to work on giving them the opportunity to use that as much as possible. But as I look at these rules, I, I think the most you're really extending uh, the time beyond what you could do today is really one more hour because we already have the two and eight split sleeper berth rule, and they're they're taking that three to to, to three and seven, or mm -hmm. you can use the the 30 minute to three hour pause. So you're really talking about pushing that drive time back to you know 10 11 o'clock at night 
And what I think is that the rules still do is they really keep still that driver on the same sleep cycle. Um, they're not really breaking that circadian rhythm that we've heard about so much for over the years about that being so important to fatigue. They haven't changed it enough where you're going to get a driver flipping back and forth from day and nighttime driving. And I think to the extent we can we can keep that in place, it's it's good for the overall industry and it's good for drivers to to try to get them on that regular schedule. So that bit of flexibility and and just because you have flexibility for up to three hours doesn't mean a driver is going to use it. I, I, in talking to our drivers, you know, they're typically looking for an hour and a half or so, maybe two hours as they approach Chicago or Atlanta at, you know, 4.30 in the afternoon. Hey, if I can pause and wait till 6.30 uh, to start uh, driving on the outside of Atlanta, for example, let the traffic clear through until about 6.30, then go through. That's really what I need. And I think the safety benefit of that, um, because not having those uh, more 18-wheelers in that congested traffic where that is uh, an area then where we have uh, accidents, uh, I think that safety benefit may outweigh that pause and, and maybe a driver driving more at 9 and 10 o'clock at night versus you know eight, 7 or 8 o'clock at night. There might be some ancillary benefits as well. It'll be uh, safer for other drivers. It'll also probably reduce road rage to some degree as well, especially in afternoon rush hour when folks are already mad at work and now they're getting in their cars yeah, to try know, to get and, home. And and that's a good point. You know, as I talk to drivers, and again, I know I know the FMCSA needs science on this, but they often tell me the most stressful part of their drive or what they feel fatigues them the most is that afternoon rush hour. You know, if they're sitting in that, um, not just sitting in it, but just all the cars around them and all they have to be aware of and the varying speeds. We speed up to 50, we slow down to 25, and, and then, you know, I have cars that want to go as fast as they can and then bolt off for their exit and they're cutting in front of me. That's really stressful for them. Uh, and so if we could take that stress off their day, uh, I think that has a huge benefit to them as well. Well, I promised we were going to change gears. We will obviously talk about hours of service again. You think, uh, you think, I, I think FMCSA is going to go with one of those extensions, probably the 30 day that uh, ATA wants, CVSA wants another 45. You, you think they're going to go for one of those? I, I think they will. I mean, we they they want to keep this moving. I think we want to keep it moving. I think drivers want to keep it moving. But we also want to make sure they get it right and that it's a rule that is sustainable uh, and uh, effective. So I, I, I suspect they'll give some extension. Uh, don't know if they'll give the full 45-day. Um, but if, if they are giving indication that if if the, the longer time period will get them more information, more data, I think that's something they'll do. I'm betting a coffee mug on 30 days. I think that's a safe bet. <laughs> <laughs> Let's change gears here because uh, this is really the the, the big uh, ticket item here on on our uh, agenda this morning. Um, we're seeing some mixed signs. We just talked to a driver about this, but we've seen some mixed signs in the economy. Retail sales uh, growing last month in July. Freight shipments, though, during July down 5.9 percent, almost 6 percent from the previous year. Some economists uh, are predicting a recession. Others are pointing to sustained growth but slower growth. Uh, what are you seeing, Tim, for the trucking industry as we head into the fall season? Well, I think we're, we're we're seeing a a much more normal this year compared to last year. But I think what we are seeing is more of that sustained growth, uh, not at the pace of last year. I mean, last year was a uh, the pace of growth was great. Uh, but what we're hearing from our customers, and I think, 
as we're seeing in the month of August, and as you look out even a little bit more over time beyond July, is that overall freight levels are at least generally even with last year and, and, and generally even somewhat higher. Um, now, the freight's moving a lot different. You know, we, There's a lot more contracted freight out there, so there's less on the spot market. There's been less interruptions as far as weather events, uh, hurricanes is, that kind of moved as we went into 2018. Uh, the one interruption has been, um, I think, the tariffs. Uh, you know, I'm visiting a couple of retail customers, and they both have told me that, hey, everything that they're going to sell for Christmas, they pulled in earlier in the year. So it's already you know, in the U.S. border, so they don't have to worry about tariffs. So that's kind of moved around. Um, some of the freight and some of the the normal seasonality is, is kind of shifted a little bit, but man, they, you know we're at full employment almost out there as, as a company. Retail sales are strong; that's a big driver for our economy, um, and we just see positive signs. And in fact, for us, the last three weeks, uh, our miles for our drivers have been better than the same three weeks last year. So um, we're we're cautiously optimistic uh, that we're we're certainly not going to go backwards, but that we can see still some small smaller but consistent growth. Well, that's uh, that's uh, that's some good uh, good news. Good way to kind of wrap up the uh, conversation here this morning. But I don't want to uh, let you get away without thanking you once again for well for being a sponsor here, of course, but also for that beautiful uh, tractor trailer on that uh, plaque with all the little indents for all of the wheels. Very nice and uh, beautiful uh, plaque on that. So uh, thank uh, the fiftieth anniversary of. of a gift, and I really want to uh, thank you for that again. And uh, we got some good pictures, and Claire Maria is putting together a montage of all of the uh, photos from uh, Gats, and it will certainly be prominent on uh, on the website when she puts it all together. Well, thank you for your uh, 50 years of, of service to our industry. Uh, you have been a great voice for many out there, and uh, and you know, great way for us to uh, share information with the industry and and then receive feedback from the, the industry. You're you've been a great conduit both ways in that, and certainly th- that plaque and tr- small truck is a small uh, c- token for for all that you've done. So so thank you, and and here's to the next 50. You know, uh, Tim, speaking, it's funny, Tim Ashoff, I always ask Tim Ridley when I come on the air after his program, I say, Tim, what's your takeaway from today's program? Let me ask you what your overall takeaway was from GATS this year. You know, I, I think uh, this year uh, it seemed like um, things are, are leveling out. There, there isn't as many new things uh, coming into the industry. It seemed uh, I, I didn't notice as much new. But, but one thing I did notice is, is Gats is one of those shows where uh, reminds me it's great to live in America because it's a place where a lot of small new startups they are trying to find that next next best thing. And uh, you go around and you walk at the booths and there's new products, there's new services, there's new apps for this and apps for that. So uh, it is a great way to see that small uh, business uh, startup in the U.S. And, and trucking always can look for ways to improve. And, and certainly they're out there, people trying to improve our industry. So while well, I didn't see anything that said, hey, this is the next best thing, I saw a lot of things that are saying, hey, I'm glad people are trying to continue to make the lives of our drivers better. I'm also glad to have seen the continue, in fact, the growing emphasis on health and wellness, uh, quite a medical pavilion this year. It was, and uh, you know, I, I, I wasn't able to spend as much time as the show as I normally do. But every time I went by, it, it was full, and so that was great to see uh, drivers taking advantage of that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Tim, thank you so much for a great conversation here this morning. I always appreciate it. Glad to be on. Thank you for having me.
Then I saw everybody, President COO of Creek Carrier, Schaefer Trucking. That's Trucking Trends with Creek.